Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation. Welcome to this very special GPS Training Podcast. Um, it's our 55 episode and it's our mid-month podcast and as promised, it's Asked Ian. So hopefully... You're there, Ian. Ian, how I are am. you? I am. <laughs> and you're looking forward to your Ask Ian podcast. It's like it's like being agony aunts for the day, isn't it, John? <laughs> agony it's, aunts in the GPS world. If people don't know what we're talking about, on uh, we started doing mid-month podcasts, and uh, we said on the the start of the May podcast that we're going to do a mid-month one. Which, if you've got any technical questions, you've got to email them through, and we're going to ask Ian your technical questions. And thankfully, we've got lots of questions to plough through. Um, so before we get on with them. Are you fitting well, Ian? How has your well, two you. weeks been since we last spoke on the podcast? Oh, yeah, yeah, pretty good, thank you. Um, been down, was in the New Forest last weekend, which is really nice. Did some nice walks down there. And uh, looking forward to, I actually started, John, getting all my courses ready as well. Yes. Which is because I'm literally a week away from the first course for, for myself down on the South Downs. And it's really weird that you're suddenly having to think about sending emails out to people for like the last minute joining instructions and things like that it's it's all it's all quite odd after what a year and a you know, well, not far short of a year and a half, really, yeah. isn't it? It's yeah. it's quite exciting yeah. to be back in the classroom with customers, isn't it? Yes. So. yes. And the big news of the week, Ian, is are you ready for this drum roll? Is the new 125,000 map has been released by Garmin. Oh, we all got it wrong. No. We did say Garmin. We were, narrow, we were, we were, we were closer than Garmin. Yes. <laughs> Garmin said January. We said Easter. And we're here on May, the uh, middle of May. May the 13th is today. And it has been released. Um, it's been released, I think, maybe four or five days now. So great news for everybody who's been waiting for the new 125,000 map card by Garmin. And I know it's been a saga we've talked a lot about on the GPS training podcast in the past. So V2, or version 2, has now been released. And it's fully tested, Ian, you'll be glad to know. And it I was going to say, have they tested it? <laughs> I don't know they've tested it. I don't know if they have not. <laughs> Um, it works in the Montana 700i and 750i. So we've been right. working hard contacting all those people who have kindly been waiting with a uh, our workaround. And uh, we were here late last night speaking to all those people. And they're all going to get their brand new shiny map cards. And uh, yeah, it was it was quite a relief to say the least. So it's only about nine, nine months late or something, isn't it? <laughs> something like that. When was the Montana launched? No, was, it, was it not August? Was it not May? Yeah, I say no, it was August, wasn't it? Yeah. So it's nine yeah. months since it was launched. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, thank you for everybody who's been very, very patient. And uh, I actually gave my wife Jane the job last night. As I was doing a webinar, she rang them all up and uh, she said there was a lot of very grateful people um, looking sure. forward to receiving their new 125,000 <laughs> map cards. So thank you everybody for your patience on that. And uh, yeah, we now have the 125,000 map card with all Garmin GPS units, which is something we've not been, been able to say, as Ian rightly says, for the last nine months. <laughs> yes. Yeah, crazy, isn't it? So without further ado, let's get on with Ask Ian on this month's, or this mid-month GPS training podcast. We've got lots of questions. So if you have emailed in the question and we don't come to it, sorry about that. But again, we've got lots of uh, questions to do. So the first question, Ian, is by a guy called Alan Humphreys. <laughs> So Alan Humphrey says, 
the Garmin 32X I recently purchased from you is doing what I wanted. It is expected to recording walk timings, distance covered, etc. But there is an issue with a walk and mapping that troubles me. At the end of a walk, I check that the route taken is clearly drawn on the map. Then I switch the unit off. No problem so far. On arriving home, even with the unit turned off, I find the system has drawn a straight line connecting my home to the point of my walk. Sometimes this can be many miles and the actual route is then tiny section of the end of a very long connected line, making it unreadable. Is there a way of preventing the GPS from drawing this unwanted connecting line and why does it do it? Um, so what it is, John, as you and I both know, what Alan needs to do is that he needs to save his track uh, at the end of his walk. A uh, bit of terminology there, Alan. So the route is your pre-planned walk, track is your recorded walk, um, just very, very briefly. And what you need to do is before you um, say, when you get to the end of your walk and before you turn your GPS off, go into on the 32X, it'll be the uh, track manager, save the track and um, then when you get home and you turn it back on, then you won't get this straight line. It is a classic, classic. Um, I actually quite love this, John, because people come on courses and they say, oh, I've got all these straight lines. And you can sort of like zoom in on, on their laptop and, and, and you can say to them, I can tell you exactly where you live because it's like a big spider's web of, of, of straight lines back to their house. So they've gone out for a walk, haven't saved anything at the end and then save and, and then open their GPS, turn it on uh, back at home. I mean, that's for the, um, that's really now for a very few GPSs, isn't it? Because sort of like, well, apart from the e-trex, um, uh, the e-trex as opposed to the e-trex touches. So the touches, the Oregon's 66s and the Montana's, they, you automatically um, save your track. It's just a quicker yes. process, isn't it? Now that that's the, the, yeah. the thing. So, so I know I, I know Alan there said you recently purchased from ourselves. There will be a video in the online resource taking that saving yes. your track at the end of a day's walk. So Ian rightly say at the end of the day's walking, we need to save that track, which is the record of our trip. If you don't, what happens? Your GPS draws that straight line because then it gets a signal at home and goes, actually, the next track point yep. is X miles away. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. So, I mean, I, I would say that on, on Basecamp, um, should people be in that situation, uh, there's a little icon on the toolbar that you could, where you can split the track. So you can still edit it out at home if you forget to do it. Yep. So that's, that's very good. And that'll be on the online resource as well. Exactly right. Brilliant. So the next question is from <clears throat> Elaine Savage. He says, she says, sorry, I use an Oregon 600 <laughs> to record um, the tracks as I walk them. I've noticed discrepancy in distance. I'm recording once and transfer my walk to base camp on my Mac. I'm also careful to clear my track before starting record and start recording and then stop recording and save that track at the end, which is what we just answered the question before. The discrepancy can be observed by comparing the following screenshots. I know the people on the podcast can't see the screenshots. But anyway, to summarise, um, when she's um, saved the track and then she's also got the GPX file, there seems to be a discrepancy, Ian, of about 0.3 miles on this. So it said, um, can you, is she, is she doing anything wrong to get this discrepancy of 0.3 miles? And this is a, on about a 5.5 more mile walk that she's doing, Ian. So um, is there anything that she's doing wrong that can overcome this discrepancy of, I say, 0.3 miles in a 5.5 mile walk? No. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> 
and to be honest with you, John, <laughs> with the greatest respect to Elaine, 0.3 of a mile, what's what's 0.3 of... If, if it was 100 miles, then yes, there's something clearly going wrong. Um, this is a question we get asked quite a few times about altitude or distances. And um, the bottom line is, is it's um, it'll be depending uh, also she goes into the question about saying that she when she walks with her friend they have different distances well at the end of the day um their gps's will be picking up sat different satellites and and the fact is is that her gps if if it's just by itself it may it may without her knowing have lost the signal so momentarily to have altered something and to be honest with you john um uh, yeah, I mean, when I don't know, it, it, I mean, when I go out with my wife Carol, I have probably our GPS. She has her watch, and if we get to the end of the walk, and I've walked probably an extra, I don't know, point <laughs> seven of a kilometre further or shorter than she has. Does it matter? Of course it doesn't. Have you, the question no, is, have you had a nice walk? Have you had a nice cycle ride? Surely that's all that matters, isn't it? Ian, if you if you use social media, I always use the longest length for my social media. So I walk with my GPS watch on and Do my you? watch is saying, saying uh, I've done a 19 mile walk and my watch said I've done 19 and a half. I go, I've done a great uh, 19 and a half so hour. Go, well, this it sounds better, doesn't it? Sounds yes. far better. <laughs> so this can be used in the advantage. If your friends are slightly longer, why not use their well, distance? Use that. Yeah. <laughs> it is it is uh, that. It, it, as, you, as you rightly say, it's, it's, a, it's a very small discrepancy. It comes down to different satellite systems, different ways to record how often the trap points are being made and this kind of thing and and it's yeah. something that is 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 it's, it just varies, you know. If you get you no, know, even we do a short walk on a course, everybody will get a, a slightly different reading. Just yeah. in a, you know, when we go for a two mile walk on a on a Sunday or something like that. Um, so it's that's just sadly the way it is, isn't it? Really. Uh, I, I, very sadly, John, and this is very sad. Um, quite a few years ago, Andy and I we we discussed the the on a GPS whether you have the track recording set at um, normal or most often uh -huh. uh, so that everyone is when the uh, how frequently the GPS records these track points and I think we worked out that if you have it on most often it records them roughly every five meters or something okay um, whereas normal is is it is slightly longer so there's going to be so it depends on the setting you know again it depends on the setting on these on Elaine's Oregon 600 what she's got for her track recording is it normal is it is it least least often because they're different options so you've got god this is stretching the brain after a year and a bit so you've got most often I think most normal less and least often or something like that and so it depends what her GPS is also set to um, as to the number of track points that are being recorded. Ian, now it all makes sense why I now keep you and Andy apart, doesn't it, really? Well, it has. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. But we did discuss this, and, and but again, if you look at the um, the track uh, back on base camp, you'll see that the track points are totally inconsistent in length and timing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there is, and, and you know, point three of them are, are I'm, yeah. Right, moving swiftly on then, Ian. Right. Absolutely. Um, I've thrown in a couple of questions. I don't know if people remember. We were going to do a GPS clinic back in March of last year, just before the pandemic hit the country, with, with Tom. With Tom. Um, <laughs> so what I thought I'd do, I, I rooted out a few of those questions as well. I've, so I've, yeah. I've put, thought, so those people, 
had been waiting. Nobody's ever a, a, a pesters about it. So I'll throw a few of those in. So yeah. if you hear your name, you're one of the people that emailed back March. Um, and then I, I, I say, I've, I've put the questions, I've, I've interjected them with the, the questions that we've got over the last couple of weeks. So this is a one from the GPS clinic, Peter Chapman, which I thought was a really very good question, Peter. It so is, I thought, isn't it? I thought yeah, I'd yeah, there. So yeah, it says, yeah. I have a Garmin GPS map 64S with Snowdonia OS 125,000. Bought from us. Well done, Peter. I've learned by using and have confidence in my position in lat long how do i convert the os coordinates for rescue purposes etc now also want to locate specific sites located on a sheet maps but do not know how how to do this can you help please can regards peter so um his GPS, by the sounds of it, is giving him Latin longer, Ian, isn't it? Yep, so that certainly is. And he would like yes. it to give him British National Grid. So how does he do this on a GPS map 64S? He presses the menu button twice, goes into the setup, position format, and then selects British Grid. And it's no more complicated than, than that. Um, not forgetting, Peter, um, that you'll see a 10-figure grid reference off the showing on your GPS um, as opposed to when you're locating uh, something on a paper map we'll all be able to get at least six if not eight of the grid reference of the northings and the eastings so what you would do is that if you were to want to specifically put that in from a sheet map to your GPS then what you would need to do is just put zeros in on the end of the northings and the eastings just to make it into a 10 figure number Okay, brilliant. So what he needs to do is go into setup and change to British National Grid rather than Latin Long, and that will give him a 10-figure grid reference, as you rightly say. And if he yep. wants to do it the opposite way, to create a waypoint, he would mark his waypoint, and then in that next box he can amend that grid reference. And as you say, if it's a six-figure, he would put NY123, then 00, zero. Three, four, five, zero, yeah. zero. And that would that's the way he could input his 10-figure grid references. That's what he was getting from a guidebook or, or his ordnance survey map if he was doing it there. When I replied back to Peter um, saying that his question would be in, he came back with a secondary question. So he said, extra question. <laughs> when exploring and trying to sort out the best route on the ground or identify something just seen at a distance, need to use paper map to get an overview before zooming on the GPS. Is there a better way? So he's saying that when he's looking and planning that route, he feels that, I suppose, the screen's not big enough, so is there, is there a better yeah. way of, of doing this, Ian? I don't think there is, really, John. You know, I think, uh, I mean, as as we always say say to all our customers, uh, GPSs are machines. They do have the ability to run out of battery, not work as people expect them, just shut down. So, as Peter does, people should always be carrying some form of a paper map for safety. Um, and I, I, I can't think of any other way, unless you can, but I think that's the only, it's the only way to do it. And it's a good way to do it because you, you, you obviously you get a much broad, bigger um, view, don't you, of an area if you want to plan a route. So You do. It's very funny. So I asked a question last yesterday on YouTube. Um, I uploaded the latest walk and talk and somebody said, oh, yeah, it's a great um, compliment to the paper map. And that is exactly, for me, it is a compliment. I, I, mm. I said, yeah. I'm actually taken, I've worked it out, it's going to be over 200 miles since I took a paper map out of my rucksack when I've been out walking. I've solely <laughs> used my GPS, but I've always had a paper map with me. Where I find a paper map tremendously useful, and this is 
it ties very much into Peter's when I need to look for something in the distance. So I get, I stop and have my dinner and I think, what's that summit over there? What's that summit? There's no way of seeing that on my GPS screen because the GPS screen is too small, but I get my map out and study the landscape around me. So for me, that's when I would tend to uh, use the paper map, which is exactly what Peter's asking. If he sees something and he wants to work out how to get there, if it is miles away, the paper map is, there's no better option, Ian, is there really? The only better option, John, is do what I do on lots of walks i i have um have you used tough print at all this is the the waterproof paper the isn't waterproof it? paper. Yeah, yeah. it's brilliant stuff absolutely brilliant stuff i use it all the time um you know it, it so this is um for our listeners it's waterproof paper made by memory map and it's just brilliant goes through a you know normal home uh printer don't need special inks for it fully waterproof inks don't run and it's very tough bits of paper, and it's great. And and it and it you know you can fold it up in in your pocket, um, in a rucksack, and it's yeah, good way to do it. Brilliant. Next question is from Ray Grange, who's been on one of our GPS training courses. Thank you, Ray, for attending one of our courses. When charging with my Garmin battery insert and using the internal GPS charger, it takes some time to charge the indicate full charge. Does the GPS sense when the battery is full, or is there is there an inbuilt timer that charges for a certain time? My my, um, my 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 concern is overcharging the battery, but I find that the internal charger useful, so I as I, as I don't have to carry a separate charger. Can regard Ray Grange, so it's taking quite a while to get that final bit of charge, and he's um, concerned if he doesn't want to damage his battery. So, have you any ideas if there's anything he can do, or is there a reason for this, Ian? I think, well. You did quite a bit of research, I think, on batteries. Was it sometime last year, John? <laughs> call me. Call, keep me and Andy separate. <clears throat> I mean, I think we we discussed last year that all batteries charge to 80% really, really quickly. It's the last 20% that takes the time. A lot of the batteries nowadays, they know when they're they're fully charged and the and and they will just literally be t the charge will stop charging. Uh, you know, the battery technology is that good. I mean, there's nothing in the GPS. I wouldn't have thought that would tell it. It's going to be more the battery, isn't it? That's going it, to. It is. It's, it's, um, as you rightly say, um, I'm a little bit of a nerd on these things. I spent a lot of time. Um, indeed. Really. <laughs> if I my nerdiness here, you know, throw it back at me. <laughs> it's something I'm quite interested. In, uh, people, well, people don't. I'm quite interested in like electric cars and and the way uh, the way we're, we're we're moving forward with that. And and the technology there is it actually takes the same amount of time to to charge a electric car or a battery from 20 percent to 80 percent that it actually takes to charge from 80 percent to 100 percent it actually puts as much stress on the battery to charge that last 20 percent than what it does for charging from 20 to 80 percent so actually if you've got a, 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 a I'll go back to my useless boring facts. If you've got a Tesla, actually, you plug it in at your charging point, it actually only charges your car to 80%. It doesn't charge it to 100% because it would take another 100% of your time to charge that last percentage, and they want you to get off your charger and get you on the road again. So there is my useless fact tying it in, Ian. And I know you're agreeing, and I'm going to move this on before you say anything. <laughs> Unenvironmentally un friendly batteries, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Let's stick to GPS. Let's to, we'll get to the debate of it, environmental batteries. But um, yes, okay, yeah. that, that ties quite nicely into an extra question we got um, late last yes. night. I'm screwing through to my phone. So, can I? This is a, a, a gentleman called Ken. 
Can the Panasonic Eneloop Pro AA batteries be charged when inserted in a Garmin 600? So that must be a Garmin Oregon 600, Ian, I'm presuming. Yes. Um, so can he charge his Eneloops from within a Garmin 600, Oregon 600? Um, the answer is no, because it needs they need to be charged outside. But because I think at one time people were being advised they they could by tying the batteries together because there's like a little black button isn't there inside the um, unit and then charge it like they've got the Garmin battery pack. But I think the bottom line is is that if you've got the, those sorts of batteries as opposed to the the official Garmin um, rechargeable battery, then they're going to need to be charged in a charger basically. And actually, what better charger, best charger really on the marketplace, as far as I'm concerned, an Enloop. I know people write yeah. and say differently, but if well, you've got so, an Enloop yeah. charger and, and four batteries, let's just charge it without two hours, yeah. and then you've got yourself two hours, and then you've got really 20 hours of battery life, haven't you? Yeah. Ian, really? So, Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. And they are, those Enloop chargers are brilliant because, again, you can put a battery in that at 80% charge. Going back to the other question, it charges at 20%, then stops charging them, where a traditional battery charger just fries, not fries everything, but just charges everything. So mm. if you've yeah. invested well and in that Enloop charger, let's just keep using it, Ian, I think, isn't it? As I say, because it, it's the technology for the batteries, isn't it? And vice versa. So. Exactly right. Yeah. So, next question, Chris from Nottingham: Is there a way, any way, of improving the accuracy on an altimeter of his GPS unit? He doesn't actually say any of his a, a Garmin user or a Sam. I was going to say PC or Mac user. Going back to courses now. <laughs> if he's a PC or a Mac user, so uh, is there any way of improving the accuracy on um, on his GPS again? So let's let's really push it. Answers for both Garmin and Satmap users, Ian. Is there a way that we can um, improve the accuracy on the altimeter? Well, in theory, they should be calibrated anyway at the factory. And really, and, and I know that um, certainly if I haven't used my uh, Map sixty six for a week or two, and I turn it on, um, it gives me some ridiculous elevation, and. All you need to do is you just need to take it outside or when you arrive at your walk, uh, wherever you are, as we suggest anyway, turn your GPS on and it should just calibrate itself automatically. Um, there is, we, you can go into the setup um, within the GPS and you can calibrate it. Um, but really the the way these GPSs work is is that they should just do it all, you know, that they you shouldn't need to do that. And again, you know, we get the odd question every now and again. What, what uh, I, I think if memory serves me right, a few months ago, there was a guy who was mapping, he was doing mapping tin mines or it, it, it was something like that. And he did need to know the sort of like the, the, the the real specific position and elevation of the entrance to these mines and yeah that then there was yeah go and calibrate it and you may get a slightly better reading but you need to know you need potentially to know what height you're at you need to know what the uh, uh, pressure re you know you've got to calibrate it against something at the end of the day How haven't you? You can't just um, pick a number out of the air. So it gives you the option of putting in a known pressure. So you've got to know that to begin with. Um, but really, for most people, when they're walking, uh, it, it, well, 
again. Um, it's just when you say this, I just I, my voice is a bit hoarse because I was doing a webinar last night till nine o'clock last night, yes. and um, and I just brought up some old tracks on on this base camp for Mac webinar. I was just bringing up some old tracks and um, just to kind of show people the, the date that is, is collected on on that track. It was quite interesting. I just brought up a I think it was a sixteen seventeen mile walk in the Cheviot Hills, and there was a, there was. I can't remember exactly, maybe two and a half thousand feet of climbing. And you know, it says like feet climbed. I have mine in feet rather than meter. Feet climbed and feet descended. And there was 20 feet out. And, and I hadn't mm. calibrated. I just got going, started recording yeah. that track. I kind yeah. of thought, you know, after recording two and a half thousand feet, if I was that out, which is not an awful lot, it's 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 hardly anything. You'd be hard to even calibrate that between the contours on a on a survey map. So I kind of sat there going, even if you'd known your fixed point, mm. it actually would have been incorrect because you would have been between contour lines and, and, and take you quite a while. So I kind of thought, that's kind of fairly ac- accurate, really, for a, a, a fair bit of climbing and, and total misuse on my part. E.g. I wasn't calibrating as you were yes. potentially doing. Yeah. I th- so I kind of thought, well, actually, it's not that far out. But as you say, if somebody really wants to know the fixed heights, it could be calibrated if you... If you want to, there. If we move on to sat mapping, and there's a, there's a different ways that are on sat map of doing altitude. So again, um, it's something we tend to go towards, really, on a sat map, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, well, certainly for this country, because the ordin- if if people got an ordnance survey map card, then there's the option of calibrating the the elevation from the maps, and that is it's very accurate if you're taking it elsewhere then you've got the option of calibrating it from the GPS. Um, for, but but really, it, it is just very simple. Just so what you do for, with the Active 20 is just literally select the option for calibrate from the maps, and that's it. And whereabouts to do that, Ian? Where, is there a setting within that um, map that can do it, that we can do it? Main menu. I've got no idea what option number it is amongst the 42. Um, so, there's, I think... so you go into the main menu, then the settings, and within one of the um, options, tell you what, John, what elevation, do you do? It's, I think it's elevation, then it's the elevation yes. data source, and then there's an option to select from maps there is rather than the barometric altimeter. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I don't think I've got an active 20 near to me, John, but there, there is an an option within the settings for the elevation and and then you just toggle between use maps or use gps okay. and, and and i think we yeah i think yeah and as you rightly say because with the coordinate survey map getting that data behind it it's, it's actually get quite an accurate uh, elevation data from there next is. question is from colin warren so thank you colin for your question my oregon 600 it's not oregon 600 I mean, there are, aren't they you know? buy, buy a new one everyone <laughs> buy a new one <laughs> he says it's oregon um 600 bought from us so thank you very much for that colin um has functioned perfectly until recently when it gives me excessive reading of ascent and descent on every walk i've calibrated the ultimate and the chevy till so he must be looking to me ian so very good on that Sweet. and it's yes. pretty well matched um, the os show height on every hill i've reset the trip date and calibrate the compass for each walk other trip data such as distance speed time moving average etc match those on other gps units used on my walk comparison i would be grateful if you can tell me if there's anything that would resolve that problem so again this is he says it's widely out so i think in the the past one was just a little bit out but i think this one's widely out so is there anything he could do to um, make this a little bit more accurate Ian? well he's obviously got the as we've just mentioned has he tried using a um specific pressure reading to try and calibrate it 
he could as he is he is i'm assuming you are colin because you're out walking on the cheviots um it's got a good view of the sky question because it is an oregon 600 is your gps up to date with the software that could do um that could be the reason if it is then i would suggest the next thing is you do you do a master reset on it because it may just sort out whatever's stopping it from being accurate sort it out i think you're right with a with a unit that old ian old with yeah. don't take that away. um <clears throat> a master yeah. reset will do it no harm at all will yes it really? well, well exactly because there there will be if you've if if master resets never been done anything in the oregon 600 then there will over a period of time like any bits of software get get themselves out of proper functionality and that'll just sort, should sort it all out and if people want to know how to do a master reset on their GPS units, if you go to gpstrain.co.uk, click on support on the top, you'll go to actually our support centre there. And if you type in one of the questions um, into Jeffrey, the GPS train box, say master reset Oregon 600, there'll be some instructions there that Ian's put together of how to master reset. And there's there for Montana's and all, all the different units. And that's a way you can find out how to master your reset. Just be aware if you do master reset your gps unit you will have to put the settings back in won't you and i you think there are will. links on most of those um of how to of set up sheets i think aren't there yes that's it yes so we've got all the links in for the set setup afterwards Very yes good. okay next one is margaret margaret doesn't give her surname she's also an oregon 600 user so <laughs> time everyone bought a new one <laughs> <laughs> I have an Oregon 600. Is there a way I can lock the screen on it as I accidentally keep creating waypoints on the map page when out walking? So can she lock her screen? So people don't know, Oregon 600 touchscreen GPS units. Um, and on the Oregon 700, they actually improved it so it automatically locked on the map page. Uh, so uh, yes. they realise that people... And everyone's actually... trying to find how to unlock it. <laughs> yes, <that's right. laughs> so on the Oregon 600, Ian, how can we lock that screen on the map page, please? So you've got the... Um, uh... If you press the power button, um, then you then you get a little padlock that opens. So press the power button briefly. There's a little padlock, and you can just touch that, and it will just lock the screen. Um, and it's no more complicated than that. The alternative method for the 600 is to buy this fantastic Garmin backpack tether. That I think, you know, like it's almost like a for the cost of it, a must-have for unless you're a Montana 700 owner or 600 series owner um for all the others backpack tethers are, are brilliant aren't, aren't they, they? Are. i think they're just sort of like um yeah i don't understand how anybody would not walk with a, a backpack tether really i think yeah. it is the the most yeah. accessory 17 pound 99 from gps training.co.uk and click on accessories and you'll see it's quite interesting if you click on accessories on our website it actually um ranks them in the most popular accessories i don't know if people realize that so the top left one at the moment is the montana 700 carry case which we sell by the many hundred um per month and the second yeah. one is the backpack tether so that kind of tells you uh, what what everybody's using to carry their gps units even, I, isn't it? and i think it's 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 one of those things john that especially when we get queries from touchscreen owners saying that you know my screen does this my screen does that uh my gps lost this lost that but first question is how do you carry it and a lot of people oh i put it in my pocket or carry it in my hand uh, and and that's normally the the reason why it does what it does Brilliant. the backpack to the sorts it all out good stuff next question is from sam so it says hi ian if you could answer one or possibly both please do when i plug my garmin gps it tells me there are updates including maps 
should I up use these updates? Should I also save the routes into, into the internal memory and not the micro SD card? I only ask as there's more space in the micro SD card or whatever it is called. I'll tell you what, Ian, can you answer the second one first? And then we've got another question that kind of answers that first one, doesn't it? So again, if you answer the question, saving your routes okay. and tracks, should Sam be saving it to the internal storage or her micro SD card? Or if you've got a map card, everyone please, always to the internal storage. Um, anything that you do on your GPS by default just goes into the internal storage. Anything that you physically plan on Basecamp or any other software that you use to plan your routes must go into the internal storage. We find time and time again, don't we, John, that when people say their GPS isn't working properly, um, more often than not, it's because there's a GPX folder sitting on a very expensive map card. And the other danger is, is that if you start doing saving it on the map card, even if it does work properly, then there's the danger of you deleting the wrong uh, bit off the micro SD card later on. Um, so internal storage, please, all the time. And then the first part of Sam's question was, it's asking to do some updates on there. What updates will it be asking her to do, Ian? And again, it's going to be these Garmin Express updates. Which and are the when was it? Last maps. autumn, wasn't it? Was it last autumn when Garmin caused total chaos? Something like that, wasn't it? Should we, should we move on to the total chaos? Yes, let's Bill go Daly's on question. Yeah. Bill Daly's question talks about the total chaos. So Bill uh, came in um, just in the last 24 hours with this question. He says, I have an E-Trex 25 purchased from you in October 2018. Unfortunately, your top tip in your recent newsletter came out a week too late for me. And I did what in good, my good practice, download the latest software update it was indicated by Garmin Express for one of the topo active mapping, which took three to four hours. So that's um, just a kick in the teeth for him when he yeah. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> After that, and open up gaming, I get an error message. Problem communicating with my Garmin GPS. Um, please contact Garmin customer support for assistance. Garmin Express was still telling me that there was another update for the Topo Active European Maps, but this time it needed a blank SD card, as you rightly mentioned in your top tip in the newsletter. So I backed off. I went to Garmin Customer Support and also some deliberation said that the new SD card and, and put in and see what happens. So um, this reason for this scene, if we explain what's happened, is with a number of units, um, there is not enough internal storage to do the latest update of the topo active mapping. Um, and um, those units, Ian, are the E-Trex touch range. Yeah, and there's also the it's the E-Trex range as well, isn't it? The E-Trex e 22. So it's the smaller ones. 22X, 32X, yeah. Yeah. and then touch 25T and 35T. Yeah. Um, so... The top of active mapping does not fit on the internal storage, so Garmin get you to put a micro SD card in place. But the problem we have in this country is you then end up with your um, OS maps on one card and your top yeah. active mapping on the other card. So yeah. it's not the best. Yeah. I don't know why Garmin can't just stop those updates to those units, but I think I think also John. I mean, I don't know about you, but I just don't use the top. Well, so I don't. I, I just ignore Garmin Express totally. So I update my GPS. <laughs> I do. You're um, a traditionalist, you know, aren't you? Garmin absolutely. Express, that's that modern technology. We don't use that. We use web it, updater. It, it's because, John, quite a few years ago now, some, um, I did actually use Garmin Express and, I spoke, and, and my GPS crashed uh, in an update, through an update. So I spoke to Garmin support and they said, 
Yeah, Garmin Express isn't the best way to update a GPS. Always use the web updater. It's the most reliable software program. So, you know, it's, it's, it's so I've, you know, and that coming from Garmin saying, well, actually, it's not the best program. And you know what it's like. It's forever updating itself. It, it, it hangs. It doesn't recognize GPSs. I mean, I use it for my watch to load music. And that's about the only thing I think I really use it for. Um, and it just doesn't, it, it to me, um, and the other thing is the top of active maps, all right, I've got them on my 66 now because I've got the SR version, model of the 66. But I actually think they're so useless anyway, um, as good as that compared to an ordnance survey map, then why would I need to update them anyway? So I, frankly, I just, <laughs> I just ignore the whole thing. Um, I mean, I know we've talked about topoactive mapping, topoactive Europe mapping, and you know, in certain parts of the country, it is actually quite accurate. I think it depends where you live. Um, but I mean, I do know when we used to run courses down in the Cotswolds, it, all the footpaths we walked on, not one of them was shown on the on the topoactive mm -hmm. maps. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, I, th I think whereas if you go into sort of like the New Forest. Um, it's actually really, really good. It's actually really. We've talked about the accuracy of the of the, you know, the fact that the watches use the topoactive uh, mm -hmm. maps and how accurate it is. It is, but I just don't really see the point of. Someone may give me a good answer. You may give me a good answer. What I I just don't even worry about updating them anyway, just because it's got an update. And I can honestly I'd... say we have a training bag and you have a training bag full of GPS units that have topo active mapping on them. I have not yet once in my life updated, oh. felt the need to sit down for two to three hours to oh. update the mapping. No. Um, frankly, I'd rather go for a walk for two to three hours. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, we actually... Um, Ian doesn't know this, but well, you, you may know it, Ian, but actually, I think we may have discussed it. When when you buy a GPS unit from us, we actually got a piece of paper and do not update your topo active yes. mapping. Yeah. Um, just because we got so many people have problems mm. with this. And and, yeah. and then people think, well, why don't you? So, because our inbox is full of people having problems updating topo active mapping. And there's, as Ian rightly says, there's actually no need to. Um, so actually, let's just stick with what we've got. So if we quickly go back to Bill's question, he says, I, I can see two options. He says, get an SD card and complete the topo active mapping. Which you could do. Which you could do, or stick with what he has now, which has reduced functionality. So um, this is going to be an error message because there's, there's a semi, there's an update, there's a half update really in his unit. So um, there's, I suppose it's six and two. This is, he's kind of answered his own question really, hasn't he? Like he's, he's kind of stuck. If he wants the updated top right to mapping, he really needs to put a micro SD card, an update on the micro SD card and delete them from his internal memory. Um, or just stick with what he's got here. I don't think there's any other option, is there? But the one thing that we would ask him not to do, please, Bill, is put them because on the micro SD card of the ordnance survey maps, there is there will be room to put the maps on that. But again, it, the chances are that if you put something on the ordnance survey map card as a storage facility, because you're going to say, "Oh, I've got enough room," um, that then uh, that could then disable the ordnance survey maps. Okay. So sadly, yeah. So again, don't go back to 
please don't upset your top right to map it if you've got one of those four units. If you have one of the other units, you can do if you see fit to. Uh, but again, there's not really that much advantage of doing that. So, jumping back to Simon Brown. Simon Brown, who sent a question via email, he says, Sometimes when I download routes into Garmin Basecamp, they have hundreds of flags all over them, and these appear on my Garmin Oregon 750 when I've transferred them onto your GPS device. Is there any way of getting rid of these flags on Garmin Basecamp, Ian? So, uh, you could convert them to a track, and then that way uh, you will just see it is a track on your GPS. The alternative is um, you could convert it to a track, then convert the track to a route, reduce the number of points, and then, um, you, so sorry, so we convert it to the track, reduce the number of points, and then convert it back to a route. And that way, and yeah, I mean, anything that you've, um, uh, people download from the internet, even the shortest of walks have just hundreds of flags for every twist and turn, don't don't they, John? And, and it's ridiculous. So that if you want to walk it as a route, then uh, download it, put it into Basecamp, um, convert it to a track, reduce the number of points, put it back to a route again. Okay, brilliant. So that's the way to do it. Say so some websites are better than others, aren't they? Do you know, I, guess, yeah. I, I don't know if there's a reason for this, but you know, we we talk a lot about Walk Highlands. They, they seem to have a, a phenomenal lot of flags on all their routes. I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know yeah. why that is. It's a fantastic website. Don't, I'm not criticising the website at all. It's a great resource for for uh, for. But they they seem to have these flags on phenomenal lot of flags on all their routes. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, next one is. Um, let's see who it's from. It says it's from Rose Freeman. So Rose, thank you for your question. I said, I, Ian, I have a question. When I think, which I think I may have solved, but want to know if I'm correct, or just jump into the wrong conclusion regarding her SatMap Active 20. I've noticed that sometimes it doesn't switch off even with a fully charged battery. Sorry, it doesn't switch on, sorry, um, even with a fully yeah. charged battery. <laughs> I have to remove and replace the battery to get it started. I tried it with a, a partially charged greater than 50% and a fully charged battery. However, if I clear my trip details from the trip screen before switching off, so far this has always worked. Is this a common bug or is this just a red herring and other other issues? If it is, is it a relative common bug? Then I thought it would be useful for SatMap users to know about it. We don't all remember to take paper clips out on paper clips on our walks. <laughs> Some more details about my units. It's fairly new. Reported from GPS training in February 2020. It's stored in with the battery. Uh, it's stored in with the battery in it from March to August. However, the switching off issue didn't happen um, for the first four-day walk in September. And it, yeah, sort sort it out. Hope this makes sense. And she enjoys the podcast. Thank you very much, Rose. Yeah. So this is a GPS that is um, yeah draining the battery when switched off, Ian. Is there yeah. anything that she could do to do it? So, Rose, you could certainly... So, my first question would be, have you uh, updated your Active20 to the latest software version? <clears throat> the actual first time, I think, ever, the official and the beta version is exactly the same for the Active20. And it, if you go to there, you can either do it through SatSync or alternatively just do it, which is by far quickest, uh, do it over Wi-Fi, so there's a screen that you will have on your GPS um, that will enable you to do updates over Wi-Fi uh, in your house from from your house Wi-Fi. Having put the Wi-Fi key in in the settings, so you could 
have give that a go and the version is 3.13.109 so that may sort the problem out <clears throat> some um sometimes what can happen is that there can be a, a corrupt gpx file sitting in the gps that's causing the, the problem um so what i would do again so what i would do is i would literally take all your gpx files off the active 20 see if that makes a difference uh, then you can do another thing is to try and reset the 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 power management is that you press the so you've got the gps on and then you press the button for 20 seconds uh, to turn it off let it power down and then you press the power button again for three seconds let it power up that sometimes sorts out the sort of like the the the, the cycle and the usage of the battery and then the last option that you have other than contacting satmap and saying what's the problem is um you can if you go into the main menu and then go into the settings screen on the left hand side um which one is top middle or bottom doesn't matter there's an option that says default so you can basically put the gps back to the default settings because again it may be just a bit of software that's got a bit stuck somewhere for the um where it manages the battery uh, and, and um obviously once you've done that you'll have to set it up again um but that again may sort it that may sort this charging problem it seems to be quite a recurring kind of theme this with the active 20s isn't it john well not not recurring. quite a few people if they have issues with their gps's it's i would say the majority of the time it is this it's a real odd battery. one this because we've had a few people with this battery draining yeah. and 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 it's funny because um rose is referring to the paperclip because actually um i did a top tip in the newsletter last week which i i say i store our sat map with the battery out of it so i actually take the um battery out and i put it on the outside of the case there's a little pouch on the outside of the case yeah. i store ours on the outside and so she i think she's referring to paperclip that's that's our that's our um and the online resource we say the best way to get a uh the battery out of the sat map is just use a little paper clip to, to force saves it you out. breaking your nails john it does that <laughs> so i think that's why she's referring she didn't carry a paper clip with her and and for us that's the way we store our sat map now i understand if you're on use on consecutive days you want to keep taking battery but for us it, it can sit in a training bag for three or four days or a week and then you ring up with a question or not you but a customer rings up with a question and we can hardly say oh by the way we can't switch our sat map on because this flat is not a very acceptable excuse um so that's the way uh, we store it there so so again, as Ian's, I quickly summarise what Ian says. So check we've got a software update to the latest settings. I think you mentioned corrupt GPX files. There could be a corrupt GPX file in there, Ian, um, which yeah. which potentially could be doing it. I know could you be causing a problem for whatever reason. Um, um, when the GPS turn off, press and hold the power button for 20 seconds and turn it off, and then hold, then turn it on, holding the button for three seconds. And if anything fails, go to main menu settings and default. And don't be scared. I always say with these things, that, well, you said there, contact SatMap. You know, contact SatMap. If you've got a problem with the SatMap, if you've got a problem with the Garmin, and let them know there's a problem, because then they will do a software update that rectifies that problem. Uh, and that's uh, and, and rather than Ian reporting it to SatMap, which is one person, if 20 people report it to SatMap, they will look into it, and then the next beta version, more than likely, will have something in that source that out, Ian. And same with Garmin users, isn't it, as well? Yeah, and ultimately... The, the companies want to deal with the customer as well um, because they're going to be there will be things understandably they're not going to tell explain to me explain to us in an email or, or whatever that they may do on a phone call and I think to be fair to SatMap um, you know when these issues do happen 
they they are exceedingly good at getting customers to send the GPSs back. They'll look at it, and if there's a problem, they just replace the unit, or they will sort it out, or they'll reload all the software onto it that only they can do. And their turnaround time, even uh, I mean, uh, even in the those dark days of lockdown one, even their turnaround time then was was pretty good. And and you know, and they are just very helpful. They are mm. really good. In fact, I think who was it saying about um, who was it? I'm looking at all my sheets with all the questions. Bill, Bill's question about Garmin custom customer support. You know, Garmin customer support. I think are compared to Satmap need to learn quite a few things. Really, they. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you a little story here. And I spoke to you on Friday in regard to the yellow explanation mark on the SatMap Active 20. So we had a, oh, yes, had a yellow yes, explanation mark on the SatMap Active 20. Yeah. And to be honest, I did not know the answer. So I rang Ian on Friday afternoon, uh, who kindly answered. So I said, Ian, why is it doing X, Y, and Z? And then he came up with a few options. Of which, when I went back to the customer, actually that wasn't that, that wasn't right. the problem. Um, so I emailed at 4:30 uh, the. Chief Executive of SatMap saying, "Hello, is there any chance you can help me? Um, I've got this." He then um, he said, "I'll have to speak to X, Y, and Z." And at half past five on Friday afternoon, he emailed me back with the answer to the question, which was, "If you get a yellow explanation mark on a SatMap Active Twenty, there's something wrong with the SatMap Active Twenty. If you go to your settings menu and scroll up and down the one to forty numbers, you'll find the explanation mark next to the problem on the SatMap Active 20. So therefore, we found what the which one it was next to went in, and I actually just looked at what was on our sat map of the settings and what was on his. We changed the way it was, and the explanation mark went away. Ian, so that was wow. what it was. But yeah. I go back to um, I contacted my half past four. I was not expecting it, an answer back yeah. at half past four, and yeah. by half past five, I was actually out of the office by then, <laughs> and uh, there was an answer back in my inbox, and I kind of thought, I really hope this works. I spoke to the customer on Monday, and it was, and he was going, oh, fantastic, thank you very much. I said, yeah. don't thank yeah. you. Thank Ian, first of all, for <laughs> answering it, and then ask, um, ask, uh, thank Satma, but I was just the in-between there. So, again, that tells you, if the customer had contacted, then you would have got, a, hopefully, a similar response time in it. So, yeah. again, is something we would have gone round in circles and going back to that battery problem again if you speak to the manufacturer often they will and again even if you speak to the manufacturer you've got your unit from us even come back to us and they're saying it could be x y and z do you think it could be we have to say yeah that sounds right or that doesn't sound right especially with the garmin as ian says garmin customer support is a a big blamond really so again we can kind of say um it's a good way to describe yeah. it <laughs> um we can say that there's, there's that way of doing it or not wage you know um so that's that's an option there okay moving swiftly on john wells who sent it via facebook he said i've recently updated garmin base camp he's a mac user when creating a direct route the point um the point and their respective numbers appear on the map. How do we remove the number for printing the map out or viewing it on GPS units? Converting to a track does not appear to remove waypoint markers nor their associated numbers. What am I doing incorrectly or is it just the way? Many thanks, John. That's John Wells. So, Ian, um, it's using waypoint or, or uh, yeah, waypoint right. or via points uh, numbers on Garmin Basecamp. Is there any, any way of removing them? Uh, yeah. On the Mac, there is, yeah. Well, yeah, it, I mean, basically, what you do is is that there is an option. Um, if you just plan the route with the route planning tool, shouldn't be a problem at all. Um, if you've created the route from the um, waypoints, 
then what you can do um I'm looking at my notes, John. I've, I've lost a bit. I've lost a bit, John. Help me quick. Where's my <laughs> bit of paper? Oh, here it is. Yes. <clears throat> had, a, had, them in the, had them in the wrong order. Right. Because um, <clears throat> I actually, not being a Mac user, I thought, I'm sure there is a way. So I actually had to get the training Mac out um, the other day. And I did, because I thought there was a, um, a way to do it. So route planning tool will just show the route and the waypoints as dots end of if you create the routes from the waypoints um you you can get rid of the waypoint labels by selecting on the left hand side under my collection you'll have the waypoints listed that are part of the route so you so you do a bulk selection of all of them and then you right click your <clears throat> do you have a right click on a mouse on, 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 a, on a touchpad if you're a you do on a, if you're two a, fingers a, isn't it two fingers two fingers on a in the nicest and... possible way but it is yeah you separate i'm, I'm sure yeah. it's not like, you, you hold your fingers just apart yeah. and you tap on the touchpad and that's, that's going to right yes. click on a mouse yeah. isn't it? okay so it's the right click then an option little box comes up and you've got the option of get info then you go to advanced and then you go to display and then from the display you've got the different options of symbol or the symbol and name or symbol name and comment i think it is and so <clears throat> you can get rid of them that way so you or or um yeah so you can have the symbol or um uh john you can just have uh the or the symbol and name so that's how you do it why it's one of those well hidden it's one of those very well <laughs> certainly yeah brilliant sorry for that bit of, that was my uh garmin call you still there are you know are you yeah yeah yeah. Oh, very good i yeah. just uh, my, my yeah. mobile was just starting to ring that place okay right. so, sorry um what, what i'll do for for um john it was who was asking that question i'll put what ian's notes are in there in the um in the in the notes section on the um on the on the, the notes underneath the podcast so if you want to uh, look through those um you can you can set up accordingly what i'm doing we've just got two questions now. i'm going to jump i'm going to come back to chris chris kirk to finish off i'm going to quickly jump over to a question we got in later on yesterday from roger durant so roger durant's uh, question is it said good evening why is that the actual distance measured by my GPS is always greater than the route plotted on Garmin Basecamp? I actually have about 10% additional distance on a hike, but on a recent walk in South Wales turned out to be 12 miles when the plot gave me 8 miles. In bracket, wife not impressed. Oh dear. I checked the plot against the recorded track and they were coincident, very puzzling. They're co coincident. Anyway, any suggestions, mm. Roger Duran. So Roger's saying that when he plans his route on Garmin Basecamp, um, it, he measures the distance, but then he actually walks it. It's slightly different, Ian. Is there a reason for that or not? I, I, I to be honest with you, John, <laughs> I think it's a sort of thing that it would be quite nice to see the GPX files yeah. or an image because, I mean, it being that far out would suggest to me that something hasn't been reset. Um, uh, obviously, he's he's in, or you're you're in his school. John likes to go for short walks and posts much long longer walks on social media. Um, no, it's, it's I, quite, that I, is quite a dispar disparity, it, it, really. It is. It? It's it yeah. is a um... Um, again. What GPS is it? Um, has the G? You know, is it an old GPS? Is it a new GPS? 
Um, is the software up to date? Master Reset may sort it out if there is a problem. Um, you, you know, unfortunately, we don't have um, sort of like a, lot, like a lot of detail, really, do we? Um, it's quite funny, really, because actually, it's it's. It, I think I think out of there, what you said, I think a master reset would do no harm in this situation because um, if people, if you're listening to this on on Saturday or on Monday when we when we sent it out, actually on Friday's newsletter, um, I've done the most recent walk and talk, which was a 19 mile walk with a GPS map 65s, and which um, I say is going in there, and it's quite funny there because I actually I downloaded GPX file. Ian, from the online resource that you put together, the GPX library, um, which was sent Oswald's way. I cut it into the section. I cut a 19-mile section Mm -hmm. from Walkworth to Rothbury. So it very much on base camp is saying 19 miles, and that was a GPX file. When I walked it and I got to the end, it was 19 miles in length. So again, if he's saying 10%, that I should have been two miles out, which, well, just under two miles, 1.8 miles, which, again... I I I kind of say that I I kind of agree with him really that I wouldn't have been I would, I would have liked to be posting I've done twenty one point something miles, <laughs> but actually I can kind of understand yeah kind of understand. I mean um, if, if if so if his planned route and his and his walk coincide with so what he's saying is that they are the same distance. So to me it says that there's something wrong in the GPS mm, or he's mm-hmm. planned something wrong or but. You know, again, it, what 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 is the GPS? How did he start the track recording? Was it recording? Did he was it reset? Was everything reset? I I I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, yeah, it is a discrepancy. So yeah, see see where we go, and and he may email us some more information there. Um, I was going to say probably a bit more information may mm-hmm. um, How may help on that, et cetera, et cetera, on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, finally, Chris Quirk, who sent by email, says I have a question regarding my GPS map six six ST with Topo Pro and Birdseye. I use Snap to Route. Not sure that is a proper name, but no, we'll have Snap to Route. Chris, we're happy to take that as the wording on national parks. Sometimes there is no path for the route to take across to one of the waypoints, but to progress to the next point and then route back again you'll find that there is no uh, no clear path is there any way of mixing both the turn by turn routing that we get on the topo pro map card and direct navigation when we're creating a route within a national park is there any way ian of combining these two ways um of of routing direct routing and turn by turn routing no <laughs> It'd be nice to. <laughs> um, You're right. Uh, that's the right answer. Well, done. Yeah, it is no. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> I think the <clears throat> the bottom line, John, is is that you and I have discussed many times what sort of routing um, is best, no matter where you go, which we know always works, and that's di- direct routing. Uh, it, <clears throat> oh dear. Even I've been talking too much, John. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it, if if it's not working, or you because if the the thing with these with the routing in the national park that, that when you have it on the hiking setting is it doesn't still want it will only take you on the main so like footpaths, bridleways, and tracks. It won't take you on the little um, on the little tracks or off off piste, so to speak. So the only way to get round it, or so it will only take you the way it wants to take you, rather than the way you want to go. So the only way to do it is to use direct routing. And it, in, until 2017, 
that's all we had anyway. Uh, it's worked. It's worked for years. Direct routing just—it's it, a fail-safe um, option all the time, isn't it? I mean, I mean, I know in my sort of answers in preparation for this, I put well, you could also then switch to the topo active mapping and then see if it plans it that way, and then because there may be footpath at the topo active maps pick up that the ordnance survey map hasn't picked up but it gets so complicated that at the end of the day um just use di direct routing I'm, I'm like you i personally i use direct routing the majority yeah. of the time I, Again, I, I, I often say to people when they're on the telephone if you came on a weekend course with with ourselves i don't know about ian here but on my course i would spend about 10 minutes on a sunday looking at the turn by turn routing now in in the other so you're spending 13 14 hours on a gps training course i'm spending 10 minutes on turn by turn routing. i just do it as a quick example saying you can use this if you want to but hey it's not great <laughs> and um for me I, I i we teach and we we, we tend to personally use direct routing the majority of the time mm. even, don't we yeah, yeah. um just a great interesting tie the whole thing back into where we started from um version two of the one twenty five thousand mapping what are the updates on it not only have we got the map updates of the ordnance survey mapping we now have isle of man mapping on that map card wow. and we have updatable routable data on that map card so people may know that on some of the previous map cards there are some real anomalies where it won't let you root where you think it will let you root um and again if you come on a webinar with me i actually show you one just near mongreisdale where the path goes across the river but it won't let you go across the river it routes you a, a five yeah. mile journey and yeah. and and we've all seen that we've we've been playing with it this place in the peak district i like that so i'm very very interested to see if the version two of the one twenty five thousand mapping does it well it's better that's reality is mm. uh, yeah. those yeah. problems have been rectified and we do get a, a better turn by turn experience. But going back to Chris' question, um, there's no way of, of mix and matching turn by turn routing and direct routing. You've just got to use um, direct routing, haven't you, Ian? Yeah, and absolutely. And I think also that sort of ties in also because I know that there are a few people that live right on the edge of national parks or they holiday on the edge of national parks. And again, depending where they are, you can't mix and match between outside the National Park and inside, which is very easy to, to do on a walk. So really, you either stop, so you use direct routing when you get in the National Park, stop it, restart the navigating for the turn by turn, or just carry on with the direct, direct routing. The instance I use a lot for the turn by turn, this is the way I would use it personally, is, is if I was out we're going for a day walk I was doing a circular walk when I get out of my car even though I've created my route I would tend to create a waypoint of where my car is then I would go off on, on my walk if I get halfway around my walk and my mobile phone goes on my my inreach um, flashes up and my wife said to me John you've got to come home there's something happened at home that you need to get back for ASAP I think there's really three options I would use in that situation because I'm navigating my route, which is my direct route. It's going to say, right, I'm going to get back at 4.30 this afternoon. I would actually stop that navigation. I would then do a, a try a track back. If I did a track back, it would say, right, you're going to get back at 4.45. I would go, all right, I'm going to continue on. My other option, if I was in a national park, I would go to where to on my hike MP profile using my turn-by-turn -turn routing, where to select my car waypoint and, and my GPS says, right, if I take you back the turn-by-turn -turn routing, you're going to get back to your car at 2.15 or something like that. I would say, right, I'm going to risk that 
I'm going to risk this computer-generated route because it's going to get me back two hours earlier. Now, if my my turn-by-turn navigation back to my car, the direct, well, the route of my other footpath, said I was going to get back at four o'clock, I would say, do you know what? I'm going to stick with my route ahead of me because I know I've planned it and I know I'm going to get there. So that's the only time I would tend to use that turn-by-turn routing is if I wanted to get out of a situation as quickly as possible and there was a good... Two hours gain, one and a half hour gains. Yeah. If it was, if it was less than an hour, I'll go. I'm just happy to stick with what I'm going to do because I kind of, yeah. I kind of, because don't forget that turn by turn route. If it is X number of miles, could route me down a road for a certain time, and and actually, yeah. and therefore there's a yeah. risk factor there and this kind of thing. So it's good. There's going to be a real gain on it for me to trust that turn by turn routing on the on on that. Uh, I know when we're doing it gone base camp, we can see exactly where we go. Uh, but again, that's that's the way I would tend to use it. Yeah, yeah. Ian, have you enjoyed your? Uh, John, we've got one more. Have we got which one? one have we got left, question. Ian? Sorry, which one? Have question we got left? one. Oh, question, question one, one that we we're going to leave to the end. Sorry, we said we're going to leave to the end. We are. Okay. <laughs> Anthony Trant. Sorry, Anthony, we nearly forgot you. You yes. must be first into email. First of me, email almost left off. Oh, Anthony, sorry, sorry, Anthony. So, Anthony, uh, uh, in Garmin Base Camp, oh, this is a good one, actually, as well. This is why we left it at the end, Ian. Ian, uh, in Garmin Base Camp software, when I look at the GPS units, I see recorded tracks. The strange thing is the unit has recorded two tracks with different naming conversions. For example, one might be named 2021 to 21, 11, 31. Consistent naming conversion with save tracks in the unit, and the other might be 2021 to 21942. This looks like it's the same track, but I noticed the dis- difference in the naming. Can you tell me the difference between these two tracks, please, and which one do I keep? So he's got when he saved his his his, his track at the end of the day's walking, he's left with two files. One that indicates the is named after the start time. Yes. And one that is named after the finish time end, yeah, end time of yeah. that walk or the time he saved yeah. it so ian what are the two file types they saved okay so the forward facing date is so the 2102.21 is the fit file that the gps has recorded so that is the file that will if you've got garmin the garmin connect app um or a garmin connect app, um account it will um sync everything with your Garmin Connect account if it's all um, connected and the backward date is the so the 2021-02-21 with the finish time is the GPX file so I mean John at the end of the day when we're I don't know about you on the uh, GPS courses but I just so when we show people how to do a track back, it, it and the thing is, whilst you're out and about, it doesn't matter whether you use the GPX file or the Fit file, because both will do you a track back. And I just show people uh, going into the recorded activities to do the track back off that because it's the quickest, the easiest, and it's just the most obvious when you're when you're looking at um, the options. So that's the the, the Fit file. So um, <clears throat> again, you could. Uh, a fit file could be sent to someone if they had another GPS um, because that would would work. But I think the the common the common file that we all would use, save, use, send, and do whatever with is the GPX file. Um, 
and and it is because we know that the GPX file will work in absolutely anything. The FIT file won't necessarily if it's sent to someone else. Um, I think the other thing is is that uh, that people uh, just to remember need to remember is is that you can't delete FIT files through Basecamp. So the so you can so when you're doing your bit of housekeeping, uh, you can delete once you've saved your tracks. You can delete a GPX file off your GPS um, if it's connected to Basecamp. So you can delete those off um, Basecamp. They go, but the FIT files. So the forward-facing dates, um, although it says Basecamp will tell you it's deleted, it they haven't. It hasn't deleted it. And the only way to do it is to go into the internal storage of the um, GPS using the Windows File Explorer or Finder if you're if you're a Mac owner, um, and go into the Activities folder. And in the Activities folder, that's where you will find all the stored FIT files. I mean, there are only a few kilobytes, and probably once I don't know. Whenever I feel like it, I may go in and delete my FIT files, but they take up so little room anyway, it's really not worth worrying about. Yeah, and the FIT files really have come from the watches, haven't they? So the watches yeah. is, um, or the, because the thing with the FIT file is it's, it can store all the data within it. So a GPX yes. file is just the raw data. A FIT file, yes. um, but they, you can store heart rate in there, temperature on there. So if you've got a watch, yeah. on, as Ian says, on Garmin Connect, it shows you where your maximum heart rate is and this kind of thing. That more data can be stored in a, a FIT file. It's a more modern way of storing it. But again, um, if you go and download, um, you you would like you download GPX files. No, the GPX file is the way that most people, because it's kind of yes. backward compatible, isn't it? Really. That, well, it, um, it's 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 the worldwide. If you like, it's the worldwide sort of like standard, like a dot doc, isn't it? Yeah. But again, Garmin have incorporated this dot fit, so it ties a little bit into that Garmin Connect, as you rightly yeah. say. But again, yeah. with most outdoor active GPS units, we tend not to use it really do we it's yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah, so yeah. then the forward yeah. facing date as ian says is the dot fit file and the backward facing date is the dot gpx file and you see i i learned there that you can't delete dot fit files from garmin base campaigns so i've learned something there you need oh. to go into your activities folder oh, yeah. on your on your on your computer uh, within garmin um your garmin unit sorry and you would find them in activities folder and those fit files are in there and that's the only way you can delete them so uh, thank you very much for that okay John and finally many thanks for listening to this special GPS training podcast if there's anything you'd like to cover in future episodes please do get in touch just ask us anything and we'll hopefully cover it in future episodes please do get in touch with us if, especially if you're thinking about buying a new outdoor GPS unit and please do take a look at both our physical GPS training courses or our webinars please do tell friends about the GPS training podcast and spread the word in whichever way you can it is always appreciated and if you can leave us a five star review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to it is always appreciated if you can leave us a snazzy review we will give you very much a pat on the back many thanks Ian for joining me this special mid-month GPS training podcast of Ask Ian has it been as bad as you thought it was going to be Ian or have you revelled in the glory of uh, your knowledge (laughs) are you going to go and have a hot (laughs) cup of coffee and put your feet up for the rest of the day I haven't got time to do that John I've got I've got um, got jobs jobs around the house to do today (laughs) Oh, being retired is fantastic. Um, yes, that no, has been good, hasn't it? Because I think the questions have generally sort of like, oh, lots of people have those sorts. Of, the questions we've discussed today and answered, hopefully, are the are 
lot get so many similar questions to those through 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 the month and it's you know i think th i think it is good just to remind people to keep their gps's up to date clean them out you know all those sorts of things really good Fantastic. you're smiling john no i've already enjoyed it yeah no it's been good covered a lot of yeah. the things that we cover again and again and again in a yes. month we've kind of yeah. hopefully done a podcast and therefore people kind of think oh gee there's a it's just working through those solution problems isn't it Working through the problems mm. find that mm. solution to it and often it can be just resetting your gps unit or getting in touch with a manufacturer as well about again don't forget if you've got your unit from ourselves you do get that one year support so yeah thank you very much ian have enjoy your day um doing your your chores and thank uh, you very and, much, uh, and thank you very much for joining me on yet another gps project, and we look forward to speak again in two weeks time indeed Thanks for listening to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation.